Welcome to Vineyard Hopkinton. As we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, create a multicultural community, and pursue kingdom of God justice. But as we start this morning, you know guys, who would like a nice, encouraging Bible story this morning? There's so much negativity and stress and tension in the world. Let's read a nice, encouraging Bible story, shall we? This is Genesis uh, 25. This is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah. Rebekah became pregnant with twins, and the two children struggled with each other in her room. So she went to the Lord and asked, why is this happening to me? As one does when you have uh, this going on, the Lord asked her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, one nation will the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other. The older son will serve the younger son. So Rebecca gave birth to twins. Guys, you know this is going to be a nice story because it's about twins. <laughs> and my twin sister and I have never had any conflict. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home, but Rebekah loved Jacob. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry from a hunting trip. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn. Slow, low. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? Jacob said, first you must swear your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, got up, and left. Thus he showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. See, don't you feel warm and fuzzy and encouraged? If I'd wanted to hear about sibling drama, I could have just called my Aunt Sally. You know, as we start um, in on our passage today from Genesis, looking at the family of faith that is formed in the book of Genesis, I think it's really important to ask, is it descriptive or proscriptive, right? Is this just telling us how things are, or is it telling us how things should be? There's a big difference between the two. And if we don't get this straight, we're going to struggle when we read a lot of the Bible, especially the, the story or narrative parts, even like the story of the early church in the book of Acts. Is this how all churches should be, or was this how the, the, the church was? And in, in Genesis, take, for example, Abraham. We've had a number of weeks talking about Abraham. Uh, Abraham, you know, he was pretty messed up in a lot of ways. So, you know, we have this messed up character, but he's also a founding father of the faith, so we want him to be admirable. So then we do some moral gymnastics to excuse his flaws. Well, Abraham's dead. When it comes to us, we also can be pretty messed up, but we're people of faith, so we want to be admirable. So we do some moral gymnastics to excuse our flaws. 
We do not have to excuse anyone's flaws. We have to learn from them. And, and the Bible is a book that just, it kicks it to us straight. The Bible tells it like it is. And so when we read the, these stories, we have to get the point that, that this is how it is, but God has grace and the way forwards is with God. The Bible is a mirror for human nature. And if we look at that mirror and say, all right, good enough. This is what you're getting, world. We're missing the point. We have to look at that mirror and say, help me, Jesus. So in our passage today, we see a dysfunctional family with plenty of sin to go around. We also see God's grace to cover it and God's working in spite of all the mess and sin in their lives. So if you're ready, guys, we're going to take a good look at this mirror, but let's pray first. Jesus, we do come before you, Lord God, all of who we are, our messy parts, our sins and failures, our hopes and dreams, our good parts. Jesus, we, we place ourselves in front of you. And we ask for more of you today. Would you come, Holy Spirit, touch our hearts, touch our minds? Would your word speak truth to us? Would your word change us today? And as the Bible doesn't present a pretty picture of, of everything, the Bible doesn't whitewash anything, would we not hold anything back from you? You don't hold anything back from us. Would we not hold anything back from you? We give ourselves freely to you today. Would you forgive us, cleanse us, change us? And most of all, Jesus, would you minister your love over all in our hearts today? We receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be studying Genesis chapter 27 today. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there with me. This is one of the foundational stories of uh, the Hebrew scriptures. One day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older twin. Uh, I, guys, am also the older twin, if you want to draw any conclusions from, from me. Um, and he said, my son, yes, Father Esau replied, I am an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I might die. Take your bow and quiver full of arrows, go out into the open country and hunt me some wild game. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. But Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her favorite twin, Listen, I overheard your father saying, Now do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks, bring me two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food, and he can eat it and bless you before he dies. I don't feel so good about this, Jacob replied. My brother Esau is a hairy man. My skin is smooth. What if he touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him, and then he'll curse me instead of bless me. 
Mother replied, Then let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you. Go out, get the goats. Jacob went out, got the young goats for his mother. Rebecca took them, prepared the delicious meal just the way Daddy liked it. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes, which were in the house, gave them to her younger son Jacob. She's thought of everything. She covers his arms and the smooth of his neck even with the skin of the young goat. Then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including freshly baked bread. Jacob took the food to his father. My father? Yes, son. Who are you, Esau or Jacob? It's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you told me. Here is the wild game. Now sit up and eat it so you can give me your blessing. How did you find it so quickly? The Lord your God put it in my path. Jacob replied, You know, guys, if you are going to lie, leave God out of it. <laughs> like for real. Just lie and don't blaspheme. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come closer so I can touch you and make sure you really are Esau. Jacob went closer. Isaac touched him. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's, Isaac said. But he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hands felt hairy just like Esau's. So Isaac prepared to bless Jacob. He's continuing on just by asking multiple times, Are you really my son Esau? He asked. Yes, I am, Jacob replied. Isaac said, Bring me the wild game, let me eat it, then I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father, Isaac ate it, also drank the wine that Jacob served him. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come a little closer and kiss me, my son. He went over, kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced, and he blessed his son. He said, Ah, the smell of my son like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. A little bit more of a compliment probably back in those days. From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvest of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants. May they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers. May your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed. All who bless you will be blessed. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, almost before Jacob had left his father, Esau returned from his hunt. He prepared a delicious meal, brought it to his father. He said, Sit up, my father, and eat the wild game so you can give me your blessing. Who are you? Ah, uh, your son, your firstborn son, Esau. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, Then who just served me wild game? I've already eaten it and blessed him just before you came. Ah, yes, and that blessing must stand. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. Isaac said, your brother was here. He tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has treated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn. Now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved even one blessing for me? Then Esau broke down and wept. The word of the Lord.
I feel like nobody really wants to give a hearty resounding amen to that one. God had already chosen the younger twin, Jacob, to be the carrier for uh, uh, the blessing. Um, Jacob will become Israel and we'll see God's plan move forward. So the call went to Abraham, then the miracle baby, Isaac. Then there's a possible fork in the road with these twins. God ordains uh, the younger twin, uh, Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons who will become the 12 tribes of Israel, the younger one of which being Joseph of the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat fame. Uh, Joseph saves his whole family from famine, bringing them into Egypt. They flourish in Egypt. They are enslaved in Egypt. Moses leads them out of captivity from Pharaoh. They establish uh, God's promised land where they become the, the nation of Israel in the land that God leads them to. The path goes through Jacob. Why? Beats me if I, I have no idea, no idea. God chooses, God decides, not me. I have no idea why he chose Jacob. A couple possibilities, you know, the younger one, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. God likes to flip things on their head. Jacob, as we continue this story, he does have a lot of tenacity and stick to itness, which will be useful. Is that why God decided that from the beginning? I have no idea. God chose, not me. We can only speculate. But we see in this story that God is able to work in spite of human sin. Jacob lied and stole to get a blessing, but God's plan continued to work to bless Israel. God is very intimately equated with this di dynamic. Jesus and Judas. Judas be betrayed and, and lied and, and cheated, but God's plan continued to redeem the world through Jesus' death. For a holy God... He works an awful lot with sinners. For a sacred book, there's a lot of scandal in it. Christians can be very shocked by sin. But God's not rocked by it. When, when we read a story like this, we really want to read the story and then see in like big letters at the end, this was wrong. Don't do this. Don't be like Jacob. And if the Bible was a list of do's and don'ts, it would be a lot shorter. The Bible is clear that lying is wrong. When Rebecca and Jacob are plotting and scheming and Jacob says, I don't want to be cursed for this instead, the author might be thinking of later on in Deuteronomy when it says, cursed is anyone who misleads a blind man on the road. They knew lying was wrong. We know lying is wrong. What we don't know is the f how to deal with the fact that we do wrong things fairly frequently and God keeps working with us and moving us forwards. They knew lying was wrong. We know lying is wrong. What we don't always know is how to uh, hold on to God's promises as we deal with the consequences of our actions. Jacob had, there was real consequences for Jacob. First thing, he had to run for his life when his brother found out. Um, he never sees his mother again. His mother is not mentioned again um, after her part in this. Um, his uncle Laban 
tricks him in a pretty significant way. His own sons take and kill a goat to trick him with the, the blood of that goat. We see what goes around comes around a little bit. It's not a good legacy in Jacob's life. But it also gives us the opportunity to stop and imagine. If God uses this mess, this mess, you know, what could he do in my life? And if God blessed all of this and guided and still stuck with them and a grace for them, how much better would it have been if they had done it the right way? If they got this level of blessing for this level of righteousness, how much better would it have been if say, Rebecca and Isaac had actually talked to each other and communicated about this. How much better would it have been if Jacob had prayed and interceded, asked God to do something? I mean, there's very little prayer happening in this whole story. How much better would it have been? And to use our imaginations, like, if God bears with me through all of this, like, how much better would my life be? I may have to use a lot of imagination for this. How much better would my life be, my relationships, without the junk? How much better would my morning have been, would your morning have been, without impatience, self-centeredness, stress, like, our lives would be so much better. God bears with us and works with us, but use your imagination. Ah, oh, so much better. Well, let's start out uh, first with the dad. So Isaac says, Woe is me. I'm old. I'm sick. I'm dying. Let me get my inheritance in order, my final wishes before I die. And this blessing will have such finality because it's meant to be permanent before a uh, like permanent trip migration or death there's a finality to it so he privately calls just his favorite oldest son now Isaac from the very start is not doing it right here should not be a private affair and he should bless both sons to together we see all the sons uh bless later on uh jacob will bless all 12 will speak over all 12 of his sons also isaac is choosing uh to bless his favorite older son which some the firstborn blessing uh being preeminent was, was customary but isaac has already traded in his birthright he has married women of foreign religions, and there is that nagging prophecy that he's not the one. But Isaac persists and continues in backing the one who's proven to be a little bit of a sellout, is compromised with foreign religions, and most likely doesn't have God's blessing. Because he doesn't feel good, he's sick, he's, he's going blind, he does this shortcut deathbed scene. It's basically a funeral-themed pity party. He then proceeds to live for another 80 years. <laughs> now, I am no medical doctor, and I cannot presume to feel what he was feeling inside his body, which is probably terrible, but I'm just guessing if you live for another 80 years, you really weren't totally on the brink of death. He felt bad, and he was weak, and frankly, I think he was just weak-minded. Isaac knows he's not doing the right thing. 
And he keeps getting these hints. Guys, if you are having to swerve around a lot of potholes and speed bumps and it just does not feel right, stop and ask, am I doing this the right way? Is it in line with God's word? Am I honoring and, and honest? And if yes, you know, well then continue, put, push through. But if not, stop and change. The first time... Isaac was like, you know, the voice just really doesn't sound right. He could have said, let's do this another day. He could have stopped. He could have changed. But he pushed through. He has these hints. First, the, sus the timing. It's really suspiciously quick. Then the voice is definitely not right. The touch, all hairy, is fine. The food, the food tastes good, guys. And the smell is familiar. Apparently, he's making decisions based on his nose now. Of all my senses, my sense of smell is the one that I rely on the least. The word game or meat is uh, repeated in this story eight times. Tasty food is repeated six times. We keep hearing about, get me the food exactly how I like. Bring me that good eating meat. Ooh, look, food. Isaac is obviously overly swayed by food. It's been going on for a long time. Uh, Genesis 25 said that e uh, Isaac loved Esau because of the wild game that he caught for him. So he chooses the son who he barbecues and drinks beer with over the son that God has prophesied would carry the blessing for it. Now, I know we have to use imagination and faith to see Jacob as a guy who God would choose. He's not showing these characteristics right here, but God said that Jacob would be the better choice. He chooses a son who he barbecues and drinks beer with. Isaac was weak, wanted yummy food, wanted that temporary pleasure, and so is Esau. We feel sorry for Esau trading in his birthright. But poor dude, he's hungry. I also do not do my best work when I am hungry. Like we feel bad for him. And Jacob is a jerk taking advantage of him. Don't treat your brother like that. But Esau had just gotten back from a long hunting trip. He had just gotten back from remote hills and mountains where there was no food to home. The kitchen tent was probably not that far away. His mother would have made, someone would have made him some food. He had to wait half an hour, two hours for about the same thing. He just wanted it now. I feel sorry for him, but the reality is he had come home. He was not far from the kitchen. Esau says, Jacob took my blessing just like he took my birthright. Jacob did not take his birthright. Jacob meanly traded him fairly up front for his birthright. He refuses to accept responsibility for, for selling it. The same way that Adam refused to accept responsibility for eating the fruit, Adam says, God, it's not my fault. She gave me the, the fruit. And then I put it in my mouth, chewed it, swallowed it all by myself. But don't blame me. It's her fault for giving it to me. The same way that Adam blames Eve for his failure, Esau blames Jacob for his 
failure. Ultimately, father and son both have the same core problem. They're weak. They're easily influenced by food, by the here and now, by temporary pleasures. Uh, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews later on in the New Testament um, says this about it. And guys, sometimes when we have passages in the Bible that are a little hard for us to understand, uh, we want to say, what does the Bible say about the Bible? Um, Hebrews 12, make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. Afterwards, he wanted his blessing. He was rejected. It was too, too late. I do think that this is the core of the dynamic that Jacob exploits wrongly for his own advantage and that Esau carelessly squanders to his great loss. Isaac cares about the here and now, how he feels uh, right now. Esau cares about his momentary hunger. There was a blessing for Esau. He should have been in that room. He should have been blessed also. He didn't push through to get it. Esau's temporary desires were more important than his long-term benefit. Isaac's temporary feelings were more important than his long-term legacy. They let their temporary feelings define their futures instead of faith leading them forwards. All of us do it sometimes. Just pray to God it's not with your birthright, with your spiritual inheritance. You know, a uh, story that I may well regret saying. Um, every evening before, you know, me and my husband go to bed, we take the dog out to go to the bathroom one last time, you know, t- take care of whatever. And, um, you know, I really enjoy taking the dog out around 10 p.m. at night. You see some stars. Maybe you hear some birds chirping, an owl far off in the distance. Get some fresh air. It's nice. April through October. November through March, I sit on my couch curled up in a blanket, reading a book. And I feel like going out there in the cold, if I go out there and get all cold, it'll take me so long to warm up. And I'm so comfortable here. My legs just feel heavy. I'm about ready to go to sleep. I don't want to wake myself all the way up to go out there. It's going to be terrible and awful. And I tell my husband, you know what? I just can't possibly do it. I'm an able-bodied person. I go skiing for fun. I can do it. I just don't want to. And many times in life, our feelings tell us this exact thing. Our feelings tell us, like, oh, you possibly, you, you couldn't do this. Just be so hard for you. Like, you, you, you can't do it. Faith tells us, You can do all things through Christ. You can do that. You can probably do more. And God can do everything. Our feelings tell us, oh, Sarah, you need this so badly. Oh, you you, you have to have this, you know, just downtime or or chocolate or or whatever. You, You need this. Faith tells us God provides everything you need. And you are greater than this. Our surface level feelings will lead us astray. Now, I think our core desires, what is planted deep inside us by God, 
are, are, are much, much more re reliable and true, but our temporary surface feelings will lead us astray. As a general rule of thumb, Satan gives us the best stuff up front and then makes us pay for it later on. God, however, is much more concerned about who we are and who we are becoming than our temporary comfort right here and right now. But enough about Esau and Isaac. Let's move on to Jacob. Jacob was not a great guy. If you're looking for a hero in this story, it's not Jacob. The only thing that Jacob seems to have going for him at all right now is that he had higher priorities than food. Like, really, that's the only thing he's got going for him. Jacob wanted the blessing. He was motivated. He had no character. He had no moral compass. But he was motivated. Esau was about here and now. He was cheap and easy. Jacob was about the future. He played hard and he fought hard. Just to be really, really clear, guys, Jacob did not get the blessing because he was a better person. Okay? If you're trying to make him into like, oh, but there was something there that... Jacob did not get the blessing because he was a better person. It is possible he got it because he cared more. But God chose him. God chose and God decided. Jacob was scrappy. He was willing to fight. And as the story continues, we see that he has a tenacity that is admirable. He wanted the real blessing. He wanted something great. And that is a good thing. I think about one of my uh, childhood friends uh, growing up together. Um, we were probably both intense middle schoolers and intense high schoolers uh, in our own particular way. Um, but she wanted to be a doctor. And uh, at 16, she would always say things like, well, when I'm a doctor, she would prepare everything and talk about everything like, well, when I'm a doctor, I probably won't have very much free time. It's like 13 talking about when she's 30. And I would always think in the back of my head, when? If. How about if you're a doctor? It's a long time from now, and like we're not talking about going to Wendy's for lunch. Like, if, if you're a doctor. But she cared. She wanted it, and now she is a, uh, G she's a um, GP, a pediatrician. Um, she was not smarter or better. She was a good student, but honestly not like the best student. But she wanted it. She cared. She was tenacious. She was not better. She cared. And there is something, even in, even in the spiritual life, that we have to want it. We have to care. Uh, you're, you don't get up in the morning and say, like, well, maybe if a real urge to prayer just washes over me, I'll pray. We want to want the things of God and go after them. It's not going to happen to us accidentally. God has grace on that. I do feel sometimes when I think about that, I'm like, wow, God, like you, how did I end up like I didn't, there's an awful lot I did not work for, like, whoa. Um, but we want to want the things of God 
and run after the things of God. Uh, Abraham's lineage in Genesis, this story that we're in, is all about one messed up family. It is literally about children and babies, God's original babies represented as humanity as Adam and Eve. Uh, their kids, Cain and Abel, show us the, the sibling uh, rivalry, the struggle between the human race. The seed of the woman is repeated again and again. The children of Abraham and Sarah, the 12 sons of Jacob. Genesis is all about the creation of people and who those people turn out to be in relationship to God. There's nothing more important than this family legacy of uh, the next generation, your investment in relationships. This is kind of an origins story of uh, family values, and it is shown in the opposite, in the not picket fence perfect family setting. But the good news is, that in Jacob's life, out of this tenacity, out of this determination, which you will see a lot more of next week, that future mindset, that, that, that fought for better, and out of a series of very hard lessons that Jacob had to walk through, uh, he walked through some serious consequences. But in the end, when Jacob's time came, he blessed his children the right way. He brought his youngest son, Jacob, with his twin grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and he blessed them intentionally. He put his right hand of blessing on the younger one and his left hand on the older one. He did the twin blessing the right way, twin to twin. He said, May the God before whom my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this very day, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm. May he bless these boys. May they preserve my name and the names of Abraham and Isaac, and may their descendants multiply greatly throughout the earth. It's beautiful. May the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this very day redeem me from harm. Bless these boys. Jacob did get it right, eventually, and that is worth holding on for. He got it right. He blessed well, and he received blessing from his father Isaac, even though it was so wrongly given. Even in the midst of our most messed up situations, there is a power to bless. There is blessing available. It's worth holding on for. It's worth fighting for. In the midst of our own uh, family mess and struggle, you have the power to bless. You have the power to, to see in faith God's work continue. Choose faith, not feelings. We live for the future and the legacy that God is working out in our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Worship team, you guys can come on up. Friends, we want to come to God who blesses us and who has good things for us the right way. With hands ready to receive his goodness over our lives, 
with expectancy, with hope and certainty for the future, for what God will do. We don't come to, to a God who has limited resources. We come to a God who has overwhelming, abundant good things for us. And we put our, our hands to receive his blessing, to receive his work over our lives. Let's pray. Jesus, we ask this morning that you would uh, increase our desire and our want. Jesus, would you make us uh, in, in the best ways tenacious for you, Jesus, to run hard after you, to expect good things, to ask for good things, to hold out for good things. And Jesus, would you uh, give us a faith that is greater than our feelings? In the midst of setback and pain, real hunger, real desires, Jesus, would you give us a faith that holds on for your better, your best, your blessing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.